Hey, everybody, Celia Grace here, and I just want to talk to you a little bit about the episode that's coming up. When I initially recorded my breast cancer episode, I thought maybe I should break it up into different compartments and different episodes for different parts of my treatment. After I got done, I realized it was a lot and it needed to feel like a lot because that's how I felt at the time. So if you need to break it up, I totally understand and I encourage you to do so. But this is how I felt during the treatment and how I feel afterwards looking back at it. And I just want that to be present whenever you're listening to the presentation and understand that that's where I was coming from. Welcome back to Grit, Grace, and Gratitude with Celia Grace, y'all. Today's topic is my battle with breast cancer. I'm happy to say that this happened in 2017 and I'm doing well so far. To say that grit, grace, and gratitude shaped this time in my life should not be necessary, but I must make sure that these key elements in my life are mentioned. They are interspersed throughout this post. See if you can recognize them when they come up. My husband and I at the time of this discovery were visiting family. I was getting ready and felt something in my right breast that had not been there previously. I'll admit, I freaked out. I remember yelling at my husband to come quickly I put his hand on the foreign object and he asked what it was. I had no idea, but the worst case scenario flitted through my mind. We made it back home and my first call was to my OBGYN. This was April. I told them what had happened and they got me in to see the doctor as soon as possible. It was a stressful few weeks while we waited to say the least. She examined me and said she was sending me for a mammogram at the breast center. I had had a mammogram six months before and it had shown no issues. The insurance company had an issue with paying for another one so soon. That got straightened out, and off I went. Mammograms are possibly one of the most uncomfortable scans to endure. It is unnatural how they want you to stand. Your breasts are crushed into the most uncomfortable ways, and you may have to do it more than once if the films don't come out clear. The mammogram led to an ultrasound, so down to door number two I went. The technician found the spot right away and explained that it was a cyst that could be aspirated and taken care of. A bright spot of hope that I had dodged a bullet exploded in the exam room. It was short-lived, as he then explained that there was something else that needed closer examination lying beneath the cyst. On to door number three and the biopsy appointment. I came back to have them take a piece of tissue and insert a titanium shape into my breast so that the spot would be identifiable during surgery. It didn't really hurt, and I walked out of there with the hope that the results would be negative for malignancy. Fast forward to the phone call three days later from the nurse with the results. They were late calling me, and I was a nervous wreck. My husband and I took the phone call as we drove around town while we waited. All I heard was, I'm sorry, it's cancer. I just shut down. I had been diagnosed with multifocal invasive lobular carcinoma. Quite a mouthful. I needed to see a surgeon to start working on my care plan as soon as possible. I took the first available appointment. I had visions of being back to normal by the time I needed to return to teaching in August. Dr. B was amazing, still is as a matter of fact. He described a lumpectomy to take out the tissue, but wanted an MRI to see if the cells had migrated any further. So off to the lab I went, another few days to get more results, and a call from Dr. B at 7 p.m. one night. He wanted another round of biopsies as there was some concern 
about some other spots and some questions about my lymph nodes. Back to the breast center for round two of titanium bits of metal being inserted into my body. This one was not as gentle as the first round, and I experienced discomfort from the procedure. A few days of wait time for results, and the news was less than welcome. Another visit with Dr. B, and this time we were informed that I was being fast-tracked to treatment and we were setting up appointments with oncology. Again, I just asked for the first person available and lucked out with Dr. T. My lumpectomy surgery was still on the books, but instead of taking tissue, we were inserting my chemo port and would hopefully be in the chemo center within the week. I had long blonde hair halfway down my back. At this point, I was most upset about losing my hair and for some reason felt that it needed to be changed drastically before my port surgery. My regular hairdresser could not get me in, so I went to someone in the town I lived in. I only knew her for visiting her tanning salon, but asked if she could possibly make my hair purple before Monday. She said, sure. And when I sat down in the chair, she asked if I wanted to talk about why. I told her what was going on, a complete stranger, and she had a family friend in the shop that day that had gone through breast cancer herself. This woman was a godsend. She assured me that it was treatable and that I would survive and then I would thrive. I have always loved hair days at the salon. This day that had started out as a particularly sad one was made into an inspirational one with these two women. I came out with a new hairdo and an attitude adjustment that was beyond necessary. The whole thing was surreal. I didn't feel sick. I would never have known if that cyst hadn't appeared. I didn't have time for a second opinion. I needed to be better by August. Dr. T was a blessing. This lady did not sugarcoat one blessed thing in our initial meeting. She was blunt, which I appreciated, and hopeful that the treatment she was putting together was going to work. I did, however, need a CT scan. There was a spot on my lung that needed investigation. It was the difference between stage three and stage four. When I asked what that meant, she explained stage three was treatable and curable. Stage four would mean they would make me as comfortable as long as they could. The bottom fell out with those words. I can't express the importance of having good results with that scan. Another kink in the plan was the fact that I only had one kidney. I was born that way. I had no idea until I had a hysterectomy a few years earlier. The dye from the scan had to be flushed out, so a CT scan that took everyone else an hour now required me to be there for eight hours. It was a long day at the hospital and a few moments of panic and a few days later to hear the results. The plan was to start chemo and scan again after a few treatments to see what happened to the spot on my lung. Hovering between the specter of stage three and four was where I was for the meantime. It was like walking a tightrope without a net, but I had to be done and so we pushed on. I want to say that my husband was an incredible partner to go through this with. Even though we are no longer together, he will always hold a special place in my heart for standing by me through this nightmare. I will never forget that time in my life and how much easier it was to go through with you being my rock. This was moving at a breakneck pace for us, and I realized we hadn't really told our friends or family about our news. I was a wreck but I wanted to be able to present the information with a calm nature. I'm a bit of a control freak, and it was cranked up to high for me to manage how the conversation went. I didn't want to wear myself out with having to call everyone every time I had results or treatments, 
So I created a Facebook page to document my journey. Sharing such personal information was so not in my wheelhouse. I was a private person and trained not to air dirty laundry to all and sundry. However, I decided it was my new mission to educate myself and everyone else as to what this disease looked like from the inside. Breast Cancer Diva was born, and I could not have chosen a better way to invite others to follow my story and update everyone on developments in a timely manner. It was such a balm to be able to read responses left by my readers. We live seven hours from our closest family, so having those messages was a blessing knowing that so many people were pulling for us. The page is still up and running. I add updates to it when I have news, and I'm still stunned by the response four years later. At this point, so many people that I don't even know personally have joined the page, and I hope that it's helpful to them. Chemotherapy began in in the next week. We set it up for Fridays that I had the weekend to recover before trying to return to the classroom and my students. The first one was at the end of June, so we didn't have to worry about that just yet. It was a good thing. It took a bit to get my nausea meds regulated so they worked properly. We packed our computer bags and phone chargers and headed to the cancer center for the day. Day one of treatment is a long one as they have to closely monitor for reactions to the medication and have to slow the administration of the drugs. We had our own private area of the treatment room and a nurse designated to us alone. It was an experience to be certain. We ordered lunch to be brought in and warm blankets and snacks were provided. At this point, it was a piece of cake. The meds didn't give me any issues and the steroids administered pumped me full of energy. We busted out of there that day in high spirits and hurried home to head for the lake. Trouble struck on day three. I did not feel great. The nausea was not going away, even though I had taken my meds. I experienced my first session of hot flashes that scared me and brought me to my knees. Hot flash could not be a more accurate term. I heated up so quickly, I had to lay down right where I was standing, and my husband was rushing to bring me ice packs so that I could experience some form of relief from the molten lava running through my veins. It finally abated, and I was wary of it returning. I started packing ice packs to take with me in case it happened again. The freezer was so full of them, and I had enough just in case. The next curveball was a few days later. There was a situation going on with my mouth. It suddenly felt as though someone had coated my entire mouth with fur. Nothing tasted good, but I couldn't really go without eating because I had to maintain my weight in order to continue my treatments. I had three weeks in between treatments. The first week after chemo was the most difficult. Nausea, mouth issues, and just not feeling my usual self were a trial. Week two, it was an improvement, although I was relegated to a very bland diet in order to avoid having problems eating. My husband became adept at creating meals that we could both eat and was a total trooper in helping me find foods that didn't cause me issues. Week three, I felt almost back to normal, and then it would be time for treatment again. It was like watching reruns over and over, and chemo is a treatment that is cumulative and builds up in your system as you have more treatments. Recovery was more difficult as time went on. I was not able to make it back on Mondays after a few treatments, and toward the end, it was Wednesday before I felt well enough to make it back to school to teach. My friend and former colleague had given me the gift of subbing for me whenever I needed. It didn't matter if it was 8 a.m. or 2.30 p.m. She would come in if I was unable to continue for the day. 
My students were my biggest champions and support. I worried about being so candid with sixth and seventh graders. I didn't want to worry them unnecessarily and traumatize them with the evidence of how it affected me. I had to be very careful of germs as my immune system was non-existent. I wore masks and asked my students to be honest about them not feeling well so we could take precautions to keep me safe. A simple cold had the power to send me to the emergency room, and they rose to the occasion with a grace I could never have pulled off when I had been their age. I had a recliner in the classroom for days that I needed to be off of my feet, and I had more students volunteer to help me than I could ever have imagined. This was before COVID, but paper assignments became a thing of the past for my students. Everything was on Google Classroom and digital so that I did not have to handle paper and germs. It was also a blessing as I could still be included in class even if I was not there and could grade assignments from home. My sub would video chat me on days that I was gone unexpectedly so the students could check on me. Those were some of the best moments as I hated to miss and it was not fun to stay at home and not feeling well. Two weeks after my first treatment, my hair started to disappear. Sadly, this was the hardest thing for me to face. I would shower and just end up standing there crying as it came out in clumps in my hands. I was able to cut it short to ease into the transition, but that was also short-lived. My hairdresser is one of my favorite people in the world as she held my hand the entire way. She ended up shaving my head so that I wouldn't have to delay the process and even put my first wig on so that I didn't have to look at my newly bald head until I was home and ready. The eyebrows, eyelashes, body hair, and pubic hair all went. I was able to enjoy not having to shave my legs and armpits, but the loss of the hair I had above my shoulders was a huge blow. I loved doing my hair and makeup. The face I saw in the mirror was a total stranger and someone I didn't like to see. Beanie hats became my new norm as it was now a struggle to keep warm without the insulation of my hair. I was impatiently waiting for chemo to be over so that it could grow back as soon as possible. I know it seems vain, but I felt more human with my hair. It was a way to express myself, and I was unable to do this for a long time before it grew back enough to look like a hairstyle choice. I had my first haircut almost a year after I began treatment. It became purple again then, and has pretty much been purple every time I leave the hair salon since. It has become a signature for me and a reminder that I once lost it all. It is one of the ways that I am able to celebrate surviving and let go of some of the things that I limited myself to prior to having cancer. I was thankfully able to maintain my weight and my blood work stayed at levels that allowed me to have chemo on schedule. It was always a worry to get to the center and possibly not be able to have treatment that day. I was also fortunate that my levels were stable enough that I did not need any additional meds to help me rebound for the next treatment. Blessed is an understatement. I had chemo buddies that came to sit with me so my husband didn't have to take off the whole day every time I had chemo. My mom came for the second cycle. My older sister and my best friend came for round three my younger sister and niece for round four, a friend and coworker filled in for number five, and my husband was back for the last round. I was taken to chemo and entertained by my buddies and then brought back home and settled into my chair at home to rest. My husband was the high school principal and a basketball coach at the time, and being able to relax and know I was taken care of, he could continue doing his job 
And that was one of the greatest things to experience by the gift of our family and friends. Chemo treatments were finished, but I still had to return every three weeks for her septin treatments, a year from when the treatments had started. No side effects from these, but I still had to take a day to get it done, and I was gone every third Friday for the whole year. Step two was a double mastectomy and reconstructive surgery. I wasn't able to wait until the Thanksgiving break like I wanted to. It needed to be done as soon as the last chemo cycle meds had left my system. Just over three weeks later, I was under the knife for what might be one of the most significant events in my life. My parents and sisters were there with my husband to sit vigil while I was in surgery. They were all there when I returned that afternoon. Yes, folks, outpatient surgery. Can you believe it? I ate pizza for the first time since I started chemo as anything with tomatoes tasted like metal to me while I was on chemo. My taste buds were back. My mom stayed on for a few weeks to be with me while my husband was at work. My mother-in-law tagged in for another two weeks and his family joined us for Thanksgiving since I was unable to travel just yet. Pain meds ended up being something that didn't work for me and made me feel worse. I had never used them before and was not prepared for the side effects that came with them. It only took me a few doses before I decided that the pain was preferable to the constipation and nausea. Drains were another joyless part of the process. I had to have the fluid drained at certain intervals and note how much fluid we collected on a chart. I was itchy and red because I had an allergic reaction to the adhesive on the tape they used. That was not a pleasant surprise. I had no idea it would be an issue as it was my first time having that type of wound closure from surgery. I lived in pajamas during this time and I watched a lot of bad daytime television. I slept in my recliner for weeks as it was uncomfortable to lie down in bed and sleep. My husband often slept on the couch downstairs just so he could keep me company. My cats were my constant companions and a great comfort as I couldn't really lift anything until the healing had come along far enough. Radiation treatments were step three. I was to have 25 treatments, five days a week, no breaks. My radiologist was phenomenal. I had yet again managed to be assigned to one of the most talented physicians and have them on my team. Radiation involved a lot more than I anticipated. I had to have a preliminary appointment where I was tattooed with marks and they would use those to position me very specifically for the treatments. They made a mold that was just for me in order to help keep me my position for the whole time since I had to lie perfectly still so it worked properly. No deodorants with aluminum and special lotions to help with the irritation brought on by radiation were constants in my life. My husband had to sit in the waiting room instead of coming back to the treatment room and incidentally put together a lot of jigsaw puzzles because of delays with the machine not working properly. He went to many of the first ones as I started during winter break. I was able to schedule them late enough that I could teach school and then drive myself to my appointment and home afterwards. I'm not going to lie. I was exhausted. I did not go anywhere but school and treatment that entire time. It was so much more taxing than chemo for me. The real issue was when the skin to the radiated area began to look like a charcoal briquette and then turned black and flaky. I still had to continue treatment and wearing clothes was painful. My armpit was included in the radiation due to the cancer reaching some of my lymph nodes. I could not lower my right arm as it hurt so much for my skin to touch. We tried wrapping it in gauze, but a shoulder joint is a difficult place to wrap. Aloe patches did not help. 
And we finally came up with me wearing a very tight, long sleeve shirt so that it acted as a barrier to keep my skin from touching in the armpit area. We thought we were geniuses for coming up with that little trick. Again, radiation is also a cumulative treatment where side effects continue to build. And this one didn't stop with the last treatment. That armpit was black as sin for quite some time. And halfway through radiation, I experienced an issue with one of my implants. The left implant was being rejected by my body. Thankfully, it was the right side that was being radiated, but I had to return to the plastic surgeon for her to remove the implant before it was pushed from my skin. This left me with a prosthetic on one side while the wound healed and my body could handle another surgery to insert a temporary implant that we would have to fill gradually over a few months with injections so the skin could stretch to cover the permanent implant again. It was May before I would have the temporary one in and then had to go to the clinic to get injections every few days. It was uncomfortable because the tightness of the skin after they filled it. I made it through the summer and had permanent implant surgery just before school started again. It was the last surgery I had and I was thrilled to be done. I kept my port since I had to have CT scans and hydration for seven hours each time and it was just easier than having an IV. I still have it, but I hope to get it taken out at some point. I'm scheduled for oncology appointments every six months now, as opposed to the three-week and four-month appointment stretches that I had after chemo. Regular cancer treatment lasted over a year for me. It was not easy to keep putting one foot in front of the other when the end of the tunnel isn't visible. It changes you, not always for the better. My life was forever changed with the survival of cancer. I was not the same person as I was when I started, emotionally, physically, or mentally. The trauma I experienced from having my body altered to that degree was extensive. I believe it was one of the reasons that my marriage failed two years later. It changes you, and it changes those that are in your life. It pulls you in directions you would never have considered before. I found that the strength that was necessary to pull through this ordeal remained when it was over, and my way of thinking and doing resulted in a total renovation of myself. My perspective of things in the world changed, and my desire to conform to the norm was forever changed. Life took on a whole new sense of urgency and was full of possibilities I would never have considered before. I found myself questioning my life choices. I found the strength to stand up for myself and create a life that could be thriving instead of just surviving. I was no longer able to settle for being content. I experienced a mental shift so sizable, there was no turning back. I found facing mortal danger was the catalyst for me to be someone I had always wanted to be, but felt it was too far out of the norm to be accepted. I'm a survivor. Breast cancer is just one of the things that brought me to where I am now. It taught me to live with grit, grace, and gratitude and to appreciate all things and people in my life. It made me examine how I was planning on living the life I wanted instead of the life others thought I should live. More on those changes in myself in future episodes. I hope you push play to see what else I have to share. Until next time, take care, y'all. Love you, bye.